Hi and welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. This is episode 243, recorded on the 24th of October 2014. My name's Rob from RobNonPhoto.com and this week's episode is going to be, I don't know, I thought I'd talk about cropping for a little bit. But before all that, what have I been up to? Well, hard at work as ever, as you know, like everybody else out there. But I did get a chance last Saturday, I think it was, or Friday, I can't remember, I went down to the Explosion Museum in Gosport, which I have talked about in the past, um, uh, to do kind of a bit of a field trial, a field test on the Low Pro um, Flipside 400 AW camera bay. You'll know that I've been kind of talking about the Think Tank Photo uh, Retrospective 30 camera bag, which I got a few weeks ago, and uh, I've been testing that and playing with it. And really enjoying having a camera bag that doesn't look like a camera bag um, uh, is a shoulder type camera bag. can fit loads and loads of stuff in it. But kind of when I was doing the, the review for the Retrospective 30, I got out my um, big low pro 400 AW, which is a big backpack type camera bag. And to be honest, I've, I think I've had it for about three or four years. I got it for Christmas a few years ago. And all I've ever used it for is storing camera gear in it, lenses, flashes and stuff like that, just to keep it safe because it's nice and well padded. I've never used it as a camera bag because as soon as I got it, I thought, ah, nice camera bag, but it's a bit big because the 400AW is a big backpack. And I never really gave it a chance, to be honest. And when I decided that I wanted a bigger camera bag because my photo runner um, could only hold... um, my uh, DSLR uh, with a kit lens on it and a, and a spare lens and some batteries and cards. I couldn't hold anything else. And I wanted something that could hold a flash at least extra. And I went for the Retrospective 30. Um, you know, I, I just kind of... I didn't really dismiss the 400AW. I didn't really even think about it. But when I did the review for the Retrospective 30, I got it out and I was comparing sizes. And I thought, well, it's not really fair on the, on the 400AW to kind of dismiss it uh, without giving it a proper test. And so I went down to the Explosion Museum with my 400AW, with the with the 600D um, T3i in it, with the 18-55, the 70-300, a flash, the 50mm 1.8, flash cords, macro extension tubes, loads of stuff in it. And walked around with it on for about an hour and a half, two hours, and did, did a little review of it. And I'll put a link to the show notes here at rubnonphoto.com. And I was pleasantly impressed because being a backpack, it was incredibly comfortable to walk around with it on, even though it was so big, you know, and uh, overloaded. The bag itself wasn't overloaded, but there was lots of stuff in it. Um, And there goes the phone, so I better pause it. Right, I'm back. PPI calling. So where was I? I was talking about going to the Explosion Museum and, yeah, um walking around for a couple of hours and I was very impressed and a, big, a really good thing about the 400AW is you you get at your stuff your, your main camera compartment through a flap that's actually on the inside so it's on the side that's up against your back so it stops people from reaching in nicking your camera stuff when you're wandering around I mean they can still get into the other flap where you have all your other bits but they can't get at your main camera bag and when you want to change lenses what you do is you kind of put the waist belt on take the shoulder straps off spin it round and it kind of opens up in front of you so you can reach in change lenses get your camera out and then zip it back up and throw it back around and that's quite um 
quite good. It looks a bit odd when you're doing it, but it does work. So, you know, I was quite impressed. Um, now, I haven't had a chance to go out and do a field trial with with it today, but what I'll probably do is another field trial, and then I'll do another review. Now, if you go on the YouTube channel for for me, for Rob Nunn, um, there's links on robnunnfoot.com, you'll know that I've probably three or four years ago, maybe even longer, I did a review of the Lowepro 400AW, but I think it's time to do a fresh one, where I've, one where I've actually gone out and used it an awful lot. Um, and uh, if you are in the um, market for a backpack type uh, uh, camera bag, I think that you know the 400AW is really, you know, it's very, very good, very good indeed. But anyway, watch this space. Um, and I'll also do a video, I think, of the 400AW versus the retrospective 30. So it'd be like a, a backpack versus a shoulder bag. You know, a, gen, a traditional black um, plasticky looking camera bag versus like a cotton, um, almost courier type bag. Um, just to look at the different types, you know. So if you are thinking about what to go for, uh, I can give you a little bit of guidance that way. Now, cropping. So let's get something out of the way straight away you know i love cropping <laughs> and i think it's an essential part of photography changing the shape of your photograph the proportions the ratios and the look i think is almost as exciting as taking the photos themselves um, and although i'm not a fan of post-processing cropping is a part that i look forward to because it can you know changing from a four by three to a 16 by 9 or a square crop, um, getting rid of dead space and that sort of stuff can transform the look of a photograph. Now, I know there's lots of people out there who say, oh, no, you shouldn't crop. You know, whatever it is like, you know, in the um, in the camera is the way it should be. You know, Henri Cartier-Bresson in the, old, the olden days, and there's quite a few photographers today who say that as well. But, you know, I... I I think it's it's great to get it right in camera, and if you're a photojournalist, you probably shouldn't be cropping too much. But I think for the rest of us, exploring how we can crop our photos gives us well, it gives us another chance to make the photo better. It gives us a second bite of the apple. It gives us a way of improving our composition, or perhaps presenting our photo in a different way. And always remember that most of the viewfinders on cameras only show you about of ninety about ninety percent of what you're actually going to get. So you could argue, and I well I would argue anyway, that cropping is an essential part of digital photography. But it can be a bit of a minefield and very confusing when you're starting off. Um, but it's so important to get a crop right. So in this podcast, I'm going to try and give you some simple places to begin if you're thinking, you know, having a bit of trouble with cropping. Um, maybe where you can start to explore and have a journey through the world of cropping. You know, maybe looking at some different aspect ratios and then how much and where to crop. Now, the first thing I'd say is always leave your crop till last. Um, do all your other post-processing in your editing program as well. You know, so whether using Picasa, Lightroom, Photoshop Elements, Photoshop, Aperture, anything like that. Do everything else first and, and leave the crop. Because the idea with the crop is that, that there's two main two main parts of the crop. There's there's the artistic crop and there's also the crop you do you, you make to make the photo physically fit something like a frame or a print or a mat or something like that. But, you know, these days, the main way we show our photographs is online. 
so the crop is more of an artistic decision most of the time. But ultimately, the best way to show our photographs is as prints, maybe in frames, canvas prints, metal or glass prints, in an album, you know, in a digital um, photo frame, that sort of thing. And with physical prints, the crop is essential because it helps us match you know, what we're going to be putting our photo in, i.e. photo with a cardboard mat, to the size of the photo. Um, so we can see whether it looks right and it will actually physically fit. And that's why in your photo editing software, you, under the crop options, wherever that may, may be, you'll always see lots of different types of cropping. You know, 6x4, 5x7, 8x10, 10x15, all this sort of thing. And if you ever go to a, a frame shop or a shop that sells lots of different frames, you'll see loads of different sizes. A4s, A3s, there's, uh, there's lots and lots of things there. And obviously, if you want to print out a particular photo to fit, fit a particular frame, you've got to crop it, haven't you? Um, even if it's for things like uh, magazines or um, publications or books, you know, they'll want it cropped to a certain size, maybe to fit on the page, maybe to fit out with the layout of titles and, and other texts. Um, so you leave the crop till last and you always do it in a non-destructive way. So if you're using something like Photoshop, sorry, um, uh, Lightroom or um, Picasa, the, the way that they work is that all the edits you do to the photo, actually they're not changing the original at all. They're just a list of instructions which the program kind of um, carries out on the particular photo and you only get a final image when you export them to somewhere else. Um, and so that's really good because, you, you know, you might well think, oh, artistically, I'm going to crop this to a 16 by 9 like a like a panoramic almost sort of image. But then you buy a nice A4 frame to put it in, you know, so you'd always leave that crop to last and then you, you do the crop that matches it. Um, now, you've got to be a little bit careful in Photoshop when you're working because it is easy to discard all that extra information, say, you, you know, when you go with a crop tool because, because Photoshop will destructively add... Um, change stuff if you save it as the same file name and the same format as well so be very careful to always save a um a a uncropped version of your photo so you can come back to it later because in a few years time you just you just won't know you might suddenly decide oh, i want to do a gallery print of that uh, 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 sorry a um, gallery wrap and the gallery wraps are four by three so you know you need to have that data there to be off to um recrop it however if you're mainly sharing your photos on the internet, the crop, I think, is there to help us enhance our image. So, let's uh, let's really start thinking about it. And before you do any crops, though, and um, we've done all our other editing, make sure your photo's straight if it's meant to be. <laughs> make sure your horizon's straight or the vertical lines are straight. And then the next thing to do is really have a good look at the photo and think about choosing your crop. Now, remember that in Lightroom or, or Picasa, cropping is non-destructive. So we can go back and we can change it if we like. And we can make big adjustments, you know, where we change the aspect ratio, change it from like 3 by 2 to a 1 by 1 or a 16 by 9 or whatever. Or we can just do little fine tunes. And I think the most important thing, well, one of the most important things to, to bear in mind and trying to stick to when cropping is to restrict the choices of crops you always go to because it will make your editing process so much simpler. And also remember, actually, this is a really important one, don't do custom crops, okay? 
Custom crops is where you just drag the, the sides around to, to make it fit, you know, the, the look you want. But, you know, trust me, with a crust, a custom crop, a custom crop, you'll never get a frame. Well, unless you've got loads of money and you can pay someone to make frames for you. Um, and uh, mats. You want to always avoid them. Now, so I say restrict your choices of crops. And it'll just make things easier if you only have um, a few to, to go through, to cycle through if you like and i would suggest these i mean with with my camera the uh, dslr the aspect ratio that it shoots is three by two which i think that's the same as 35 millimeter isn't it and three by two it's simple you know it's effective um sometimes however though whether it be in portrait or landscape mode it's a little bit you know wide and thin wide and low and i actually quite like four by three sometimes as well um, especially if you're looking at a photo on a phone screen and the phone is in portrait mode like it normally is a 3 by 2 ratio is quite narrow and you don't get to see much of the photo but if you go to 4 by 3 it gets that little bit higher a little bit fatter and I think that can suit it so you know start off with um, with the, your crop setting as add shot or original you know and drag it around and that can be quite good but maybe try 4 by 3 and uh, see if that suits it a little bit more. And remember, remember to flick between landscape and portrait modes. Now, if those kind of basic rectangles of the 3x2 or the 4x3 aren't really appealing to you, then dive in and have a go with the 1x1, one one, the, the square crop, you know, the Instagram crop, the medium format ratio, the square photograph. And it can be really challenging, the square crop. It really can, because um, with things like the rule of thirds, um, everything seems to be much more bunched together. But it can be very um, uh, satisfactory. That's not really the word I'm looking for. Um, but photos can look very, very good. And they look very good on the web as well, square photos, a la Instagram. Because, you know, the photo's really big. You know, you get to see, you get to see lots of it. Um... It can be tricky because in order to get a one by one, obviously you're going to have to lose loads of the sides, especially on a DSLR um, shot where that's normally at three by two. But bring it up, drag it around, see what happens. And the last crop I think you should play around with is one of the most dramatic, um, and it's the sixteen by nine, which is the aspect ratio for most computer monitors. Uh, lots of phones are 16 by 9 TVs, and 16 by 9 looks 16 by 9 looks great. Looks almost panoramic. I tend to only ever use it in horizontal landscape orientation because I think it's a little bit too skinny when you put it in portrait orientation. But at 16 by 9 is really good for landscapes where maybe the sky and the foreground are lacking in a bit of detail, or really, or any subject really where the subject is long and thin. And I think 16 by 9 is really cinematic. Um, and it just adds drama by by its shape. So there, I think, are the main aspect ratios you want to play with. 3x2 or 4x3. Um, quite a few uh, compact cam cameras, I think, shoot 4x3. So 3x2, like add shot, you're 4x3. You're 1x1, you're square. And you're 16x9. And if you kind of s stick to those four ratios, you'll make your post-processing so much easier Um but of course, now you think, well, that's really only the start, isn't it? The next question is, 
once you've got your rough idea of what ratio you're going to use, what do you crop and how much do you crop by? And this is really where we get that second bite of the apple in terms of the, the look of our photograph. And go back to some of the basic guidelines for competition. Compos competition? Maybe it isn't a competition. Composition. You know, the rule of third. Leading lines. Curves. And where you actually crop into your subject or around it. Now a lot of this is a question of personal taste and style. Um, but to develop your own style, don't be afraid to look at other people's photos for ideas and guidelines, especially when it comes to portraits and people photography, where it can be difficult to know where to start. Maybe an important piece of advice is that there is no perfect crop. Okay? Symmetry definitely isn't essential. And when it comes down to the, the fine bits of cropping, like whether, you know, should you crop into this person's hairline or out of this person's hairline, the only people who seriously interrogate that choice that you've made really will be other photographers. So, you know, don't sweat it too much. Get the crop as close as you want to and then move on to the next photo. But I guess you know, here's some general guides. You know, I mean, for people... Uh, don't crop them at right at the joints along wrists or knees and things like that and for um, for other stuff just think about that rule of third so you take you take your rectangle say of your photo let's imagine it's a, um, a, a three by two like a DSLR kind of ratio in horizontal in landscape mode and you just put two uh, vertical lines your equidistance uh, in the photo and then two horizontal lines so you end up with six squares and where those lines intersect, um, that, that, that's where you want to be putting your subject. So if you're taking a picture of a person, um, you want their nearest eye to be in one of those intersections. Um, if it's a landscape, you want to put the, 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 the horizon along one of those horizontal lines. Um, and in fact, really with any photo, you can't go far wrong by putting the main subject at one of those intersections. Say, maybe, say, imagine it's a landscape and there's a tree sitting up on the landscape. So you put the horizon, say, along the bottom lower of thirds and have the tree along, um, say, the right-hand vertical uh, line. And, uh, you know, that will improve it. And then you've got to just slide it in and out, you know, pull it in closer. Because you can pull your crop in to get rid of dead space that doesn't add to the picture. Uh, boring skies or distracting or plain foregrounds. But also remember that there's a difference between dead space and negative space. A negative space is where you deliberately have a gap in the photo um, to kind of sometimes give an idea of a scale or perspective or an emotion. You know, can make things look, look lonely and it also helps people uh, move into things and it can be very, very powerful. So... For example, um, negative space. Uh, say you've got a uh, a person running along. Okay, so they're in front of you and they're running from left to right, and you're taking a photo of them. If you crop it so that they're uh, and they're going from left to right, if if their body is along the right rule of third, so they're nearer the the right edge, so there's not much space in front of them to the edge of the frame, that will feel a lot different than if you put them on the left-hand horizontal line, so there's a lot of space in front of them. You know, try it. If you've already got a photo like that, maybe a person, maybe a car, maybe an animal. You know, you could. people do say, you know, you should say, uh, say with a bird that's flying in the sky and take a picture, leave space in front of them because it gives them space to fly into. 
But if you don't leave space in front of them, that can create tension in a photo, which in and of itself can be enjoyable as well. Um, so, you know, play around with that. Um, don't crop too tight, but I'm kind of the opinion that it's good to have in the back of your mind that you don't want your photos to look like postcards. So often I think tighter than the standard crop can often be a good thing. How you crop will change over time. Um, and it's it's a critical part of your style. But again, don't be scared to look at how other photographers, especially professionals, crop to give you a starting point. So a couple of years ago, for example, I was taking some headshots uh, with Mel. And, uh, you know, uh, Peter Hurley type headshots where... There was a white background, you know, lit with flash, and uh, you know, lots of front light, um, to like a, like an actor's headshot. But you know, I was thinking, well, how do I get the um, the right sort of cropping where it will look right? You know, do I crop at the chin? Do I crop at the neck? Do I crop into the hair? All this sort of stuff because you just don't know. So what I did was I actually downloaded one of Peter Hurley's headshots from his website, loaded that into Photoshop with the photo that I had took, put them in a layer on top of each other made Peter's uh, photo transparent so I could see through it. Then I just scaled and cropped my photos so they were exactly the same in terms of ratio. So I could really see where where I was going wrong before and how Peter um, cropped his photos. Now obviously it changes from photo to photo. I'm not, not saying you should copy somebody, but you know exactly like for the rest of your, your photography life. But doing something like that can, can really help. Um, and it helps you to, I think it really helps to emulate someone to, to kind of start to see why it's important to crop in certain ways in certain situations. But obviously that's, that, that um, changes. A really great article if you're into photo, photo, photographing, <laughs> especially ladies, is do a Google search and just look for Sue Bryce crop. That's Sue, S-U-S-U-E space Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E space C-R-O-P. And I think the first link is an article that she wrote uh, a few years ago on how to crop women's portraits. Um, she takes from you to like a, from a close headshot to a three-quarter length. I think I think she calls it the one, two, three, four, five method. And she explains how to how to do it, why, and there's some fantastic examples of of how it works. Um, do a Google image search for Lee Frost landscapes. And you'll get some really nice examples of how you might want to crop your landscapes. Um, you could also do a Google image search for Gary Winogrand to see cropping in street photography. And of course, if you want to really push it, really challenge yourself with street photography cropping, um, you know, look no further than Michael Ernest Sweet's Human Fragments, um, which I uh, talked about a couple of podcasts ago. So there we go. Explore your cropping. Look at magazines. See how they crop. Adverts on television, films, movies, look to see how they crop, you know, whether it be a landscape or people. Be amazed how tight sometimes it is. You know, we often, I know when you're faced, especially with photographs of people, you tend to think well, you need to get everything in, don't you? You need, to get their, you, you, you need to not crop into their hair or their body and stuff like that. But you, you know, you watch your television tonight and see how many times during discussions or other times, that the uh, the TV or the film crops in incredibly close, and at any point do you think, oh, that was a close crop, or do you not just notice? Because the important thing in the photo is either you know the eyes or the emotion of the face, and the fact that it's cropped in at the hair um, and the neck that enhances the scene 
it doesn't detract from it. So there we go, cropping. Dive in, have a go. I think it's fantastic and uh, I think it's an essential part of digital photography. But that is enough from me. If you like the podcast and like to help it, please, if you subscribe on iTunes, give us a review, give us some stars. Um, if you listen to us on Stitcher, do a Stitcher review, uh, thumbs up or share. Um, and there's loads of different other places you can get the podcast that I don't even know about. But if you can do any sort of thing that helps to publicize the podcast, that's fantastic. Thanks to everybody for taking part in the current Flickr assessment. Again, there'll be a link over on romanfo.com. Um, this month, it's the world in black and white. Uh, thanks to everybody for putting photos into the Flickr group. Fantastic work going on there. Remember, SEL is part of the tech podcasts, um, podcast community. So if you want to check out other great tech podcasts, um, go to techpodcast.com. Thanks for all your comments and questions. But most of all, thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robnanphoto.com. You can email me, scalespeed at gmail.com. And hopefully, I'll see you again soon. <laughs>